Hey, everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And once again, we are broadcasting this episode from our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado. And as we are coming upon peak season here, we want to make sure that you are all up to date regarding the different types of camping available here in the valley and where they are permitted. So we've included a link to an article in the show notes to this episode. So check out that article and we will all keep doing our part to be good stewards of this place we love. Okay, drum roll please. Today, it's time for our annual Bikes vs. Skis episode, where here in part one, we ask a bunch of questions and we figure out which bike company and which ski company are the current correct answer to this question. Joining me today are Luke Coppa, David Golay, and Eric Friesen, and As you listen to all of our answers to these questions, we then really want to hear from you and we want to know what your answers are to these questions and why. Don't forget the why. So leave your answers in the comment section of the show notes to this episode on our website. And with that, here we go. All right. Well, I am here with Luke Kappa, David Golay, and Eric Friesen for the most important episode of the year. I mean, arguably, probably not, maybe, but certainly a fun one and definitely a weird one. And this is now a bit of a tradition. I think this is the third time we have done this for some reason. It didn't happen in the year 2019 for reasons I don't really know why. I was thinking about this today, you know, 10, 20 years from now when PhD students are writing dissertations on the state of the outdoor industry and, you know, bike companies versus ski companies, they're really going to be bummed about that missing 2019 edition of, you know, bikes versus skis. So apologies to all of those, you know, future dissertation writers we let you down that one year but we won't let it happen again so anyway our work here is a bit strange but uh i still find this exercise to be weirdly insightful having gone through it again for the third time so yeah basically we're looking at these analogies between bike companies versus ski companies where we think there's the most overlap and more and the end result is well, that's for those dissertation, you know, writers in the future to figure out. Anyway, it's fun. Come on in and join us. So let's get going. First question, which company is offering the most bang for the buck currently? David, I think we'll start with you and let's approach this. Let's just go through bike companies first. Yeah, cool. So I think for the on the bike company side, there are a handful of companies that you can make a pretty good case for. Um, most of them doing predominantly direct to consumer sales. So some people I considered from my short list were Nuke Proof, Canyon, YT, Privateer. But the one that I think is actually coming just a narrow edge ahead of those is uh, Comensal. It's all pretty close, and it depends a little bit on which exact models you look at if you're comparing build specs and what have you. But 
Clemenceau's got a big range and are doing consistently impressive things in terms of value across it. And so overall, I'm giving them a narrow win on that one. Okay. Eric. Marin. Bikes. Okay. Care to back that up or you just wanted to give a two-word answer and keep it moving? <laughs> It's going to be a great podcast. No, I I think Marin, they seem like they are uh, kind of getting their finger on the pulse a little bit of, of, of what people want these days. They've got a pretty wide range and uh, they've got stuff that, that seems to work pretty well. I've ridden one or two of their bikes, have been impressed, and the price point is pretty hard to beat. So that's my vote. And they have an e-bike. Okay. And they have an e-bike. Luke. Did you have thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, mine were basically the same as David's in terms of the companies that came up. I was mostly thinking about Commonsol and Canyon and like Commonsol tends to prioritize suspension a bit more. Um, they don't have any, or for the most part, don't have any carbon parts on it. You don't see the super top spec drivetrains on their bikes, but you usually see top spec suspension and in general, their stuff is comparatively slightly cheaper than Canyon. But Canyon, you get carbon frames, you get some higher end components. So I think it's debatable between those two. But Marin's a good point. Nuke Proof also came to mind. Uh, Fazari also came to mind. Um, another company that tends to prioritize suspension. But I think there are a lot of those direct to consumer brands that are kind of vying for that top spot. Yeah, my take on this is I had a lot of trouble sort of singling out one bike company. And this is going to provide a nice segue into kind of answering the same question, you know, on the ski side of things. It seemed to me that there were a lot of possible answers on the bike side. And maybe this is just a, you know, lack of intelligence or imagination on my part. But I honestly was like, I'm really not sure... I didn't have any strong conviction about a single ski company in terms of like value added in the way that some of the bike companies we've just mentioned. Luke, you might disagree with that one though. Yeah, on the ski side, the main ones that came to mind for me were just J skis in forefront because they are a bit cheaper than some of the more traditional. You sure you can still say that? We used to be able to say that. Well, the problem is all their skis are sold out, so you can't even see the the prices right now when I went to check. But I think if you're comparing like a traditional brick and mortar style brand, their top end skis to forefront and J skis, I think there's the... Uh, a lower price that you can get for J skis in forefront. But at the same time, like basically every ski brand makes cheap skis and expensive skis. But for bikes, it's like there's less of a variation between models. Like basically every model gets a low range spec, a mid range, high range, etc. So I, it, the comparison gets a little tricky. And I think honestly, the main thing I thought of when I saw this question was just, well, I don't buy skis at full price. I just wait till the end of the season because there are skis left over. And right now, there aren't even new bikes around that you can buy. Um, so, it feels kind of pointless at this point. But um, yeah, that was another comparison that I just think the business models are, are pretty different in that regard. But the bottom line was that 
ski companies, I think it's less of uh, less of an obvious answer. Yeah, David. Yeah, pretty much. I take as Luke. I mean, kind of along the lines of what he was getting at. There is, in some level, I mean, there are certainly very expensive skis out there, and there are budget options. But for kind of the more average skis that most people are buying, there is just generally less price stratification than there is with bikes. But Jay was the company I came up with. I mean, they have a lot of their models priced under 700 bucks, which is a little bit cheaper than kind of the average solid quality ski out there. And they're making things pretty well. It's not like you're getting something cheap and crappy for that price. So they have a narrow edge, but it's less obvious than it sort of is on the bike side for sure. Anything to add on this one, Eric? Uh, forefront was going to be my answer, but it, I was also going to advocate for them because they seem to do a really, really good job of listing like top sheet blems and, and skis that, uh, other manufacturers might just, you know, like hand out as athlete skis or, uh, to reps or whatever. Uh, forefront seems to do a pretty good job of listing those for sale at even lower prices. And, uh, so, I mean, um, I definitely have a couple friends that have picked up you know, blem pairs of skis that are brand new from them for like, I don't know, whatever it was, 500 bucks or something, which is pretty hard to beat for new skis. So. Hmm. Good addition, Eric. All right. David, keeper of the answers from last year, because we kind of decided we weren't going to go back and see what we said last year. How similar or different do our answers look from a year ago on this question? On this one, we're real consistent. We basically came settled on Comensal, Forefront, and Jay last year were the three we really highlighted. In this particular case, it doesn't change much. Yeah, nothing really changed in 2020, so that probably makes sense. All right. Next question is a big question, a slightly tricky one. It goes something like this. Which company has the most dialed complete lineup I kind of want to just leave the question there, meaning, so speaking of bike companies, they're making a killer cross-country bike, killer stuff through the trail enduro range, and a killer DH offering, right? I mean, that's the way, and then for the ski side, same thing. You're running the, they're doing really strong offerings on sort of all segments of the, you know, bike world or ski world. That's, I think, what we're trying to get at at the heart of that question. Who should we let go first on this? Um, we'll keep it to bikes first. And uh, Eric, back at you. Sweet. I guess my vote would be, I was kind of thinking around to like if I if I had to be limited to one brand, you know, who I'd want to be with. And I as a bit of a fanboy. I think I fell on pivot. I mean, they have everything from an XC bike to a dirt jumper to a DH bike to a gravel grinder bike. And they are all very, very dialed in terms of, you know, how they put together a complete package. Um, I mean, maybe it's not exactly what you're looking for, but I, I don't think there's many people that would be arguing that their bikes are going to come off the showroom floor with some big glaring errors, or you're going to need to swap a bunch of stuff out immediately or their geo is super, super wonky. Um, and they, they've got a full lineup and, their stuff just works. So pivot. Hmm. David. I think pivot's a good answer for mid to high end stuff, but I kind of, I thought about them for a minute and sort of dinged them for not having 
as many lower priced offerings. Um, and so particularly keeping that in mind, I was kind of looking at this as like what it kind of needs to be one of the bigger companies that has a really full range of bikes, right? We're not just looking for a company who the things that they make are good, but it, they need to cover really the full spectrum also. And so where I landed on that was actually specialized. Uh, and a lot of that I think is basically just down to of the really big brands that make a bike in every category, they have updated a bunch of their bikes more recently than a lot of, you know, the treks and giants and so on of the world. And so the answer to that one probably trades off a fair bit, just sort of based on, on update cycles in no small part, but right now that's specialized. Okay. By the way, I'm going to defend Eric here for a second. We had not really said anything about like price. We just said most dialed. So I still accept Eric's answer. I don't think he should be penalized, but David, I also accept your answer because you took just a little different approach to it. So we're all winners here currently. Let's see if Luke breaks the streak though, and maybe he'll be our first loser. What do you got, Luke? Uh, well, my answer was just specialized um, for all the reasons that David said. I also had Trek on there, but I think David has a good point about update cycles and some of their stuff I think is probably due for an update. The other one in a similar vein is Pivot. If we're kind of ignoring budget options, uh, Santa Cruz seems like another one that could be up there, especially because they have a v very large lineup of a few more model options than Pivot, I think. Um, but yeah, the, the general theme for me when I was thinking about this was just that the bigger brands all came to mind. I think just because with scale, you can cater to a wider variety of people and while they might not be the most exciting products or pushing the envelope or anything like that usually the bigger brands put out something that's pretty decent okay i left this one blank you are the loser i i yeah, i'm <laughs> i'm the first i'm the first loser but that means that i kind of wanted to like seed my time on that one because I think I wanted to say more on the ski side of things to this answer. So um, maybe I'll go first on this one since, you know, I, I was so, so terse on that bike question. On the ski side of things, you know, same thing. We're looking for who's really throwing strikes across this whole spectrum of offerings. And, you know, I think that if we're really looking at the entire range of skis, then we shouldn't be leaving out things like dedicated carvers and race skis. And if you agree with that logic, then it does seem like we are in large part looking at some of the kind of big heritage brands. So Atomic, Rossignol, Dinastar, Head, Fisher, Solomon, to name a few. And Going through some of those, I ended up settling on Solomon, actually. And I did that. It is going to represent a bit of a bias of mine. But I, I kind of had Solomon nudging out Atomic here, mostly because when it came to kind of all-mountain inbound skis, the kind of things that lots and lots of people ski at a lot of ski areas on many days... I personally like the fact that Solomon is going a bit heavier on these all mountain offerings 
whereas Atomic is kind of still sticking with this lighter inbound things, which we've kind of argued for a while, still actually to me feels a little bit more niche. So that could be a great thing for people that like the really lightweight, really quick skis. But, you know, we've kind of argued that that might not be going light is not always the best option for the broad, broad range of skiers. And for that, I'm going with Solomon. Luke is Luke is giving me a lot of funny looks. So the Sol, n- neither Solomon nor Atomic were in my top three. Okay, I, what did you have? Vocal was my top, or Vocal was my top one, especially if we're taking race skis into account. Then K2, then Blizzard. But I think all of those brands have good frontside carvers. They have anywhere from decent to excellent touring skis. They also make, well, except for Blizzard, make freestyle skis that are pretty good. And uh, I guess K2 doesn't really do racing, but the other two do racing. And they have a variety of all mountain skis um, that I think the, despite being like really big brands, I feel like Solomon is missing uh, basically like North American touring skis because they're actually lightweight skis these days are top out at the Mountain Explorer 95. And then uh, Atomic, the some people like the Backlands. I'm not a fan and I think it's a pretty, uh, it's, it's more niche than like the K2 Wayback series or the Vocal Blaze series. Zero G is kind of in the same vein. But anyway, overall, I think those brands offer uh, a more well-rounded uh, lineup. And if we're if we're taking racing into account, I'd say Vocal. If we're not, then K2. Hmm. David, what'd you have? So I actually had exactly the same three on my short list as Luke. And um, but then I went to look at two losers. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> This morning when I was doing the prep for this, I was checking vocal site and they appear to have just taken away the entire BMT lineup. Like that's no longer listed at all. And so that kind of blew their touring offerings to hell and took them off my list. And then I sort of had when well, K2's got the waybacks, but they're sort of to Luke's point a little bit Euro-y and not they don't really have much of a North American touring ski right now. And so then that brought me to Blizzard and I it's not a perfect one. They don't, like Luke said, they don't have too much for kind of park and freestyle skis, but it was the best thing I came up with and <laughs> slots into to my preferences a bit better for more <laughs> directional heavy chargey stuff. And they do that pretty well. So that was where I wound up. Would it still be your choice if they killed off the bodacious? <laughs> 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 I mean, I would be very sad. They kind of have... Wait, 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 wait. You guys, all right, my answer is still the right one here for the record. The bodacious barely exists, let's be honest. And secondly, yeah, the BMT series is gone. Luke should do his homework. I know that. The Blaze is basically as light and half the price. And probably better skis for a lot of people. I forgot about the Blaze. They don't list it as a touring ski, and I kind of sk- skipped over that, but yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. By the way, with Solomon, we're also getting an MTN pin binding, and we're getting a shift binding. I thought we were talking about ski brands. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's relevant. <laughs> it is. 
No. It is relevant. No, it's not. You it can is put, relevant. Put whatever binding you... You can put your MTNs and shifts on your vocals, your blizzards. That, that, who cares? Yeah, that eliminates like half the brands in the world if we're, if we're talking about bindings. You guys are playing checkers. I'm playing chess. Yeah. And that's why you're making my up answer rules. story. <laughs> yeah. This is Calvin <laughs> Ball is what you're playing. <laughs> All right. Friesen, what did you have on this? I I had Blizzard as well, but for the sake of I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna preface my answer for twenty twenty two because I'm kind of curious and interested to see if they keep going in a direction I like. I'm going to say that I think it's gonna be Rosignal because I like what they've done with a lot of their recent releases and I sure hope that they continue the trend and if they do release uh like a cool backcountry kind of touring ski i'd be real stoked they have everything from big ass demo fleets and rental skis to you know race stock stuff and um yeah i i don't think i don't think i can make as good of an argument as like solomon or you know the rest of what we've talked about but i just really like the direction that they're moving and so i'm hedging my bets for 2022 okay so what you all learned here is solomon is the answer but maybe Rosignal will be the answer in the future. Moving on. All right. Always a kind of fun, yet perhaps somewhat controversial question. Which company currently, at this point in time, holds the belt in terms of what the cool kids are riding? We have always said this in this like weird way, the cool kids belt, which isn't a thing, but uh, we'll we'll work on that maybe at some point. Well, you're obviously not a cool kid because I have a cool kid belt in my closet back there. <laughs> you're, you've never been the cool kid though, like uh, not, not the, the belt cool kid. It's, it's like eighth <laughs> place at best. All right, let's see. Well, we'll start with you, Luke. On the bike side of things, who is the current holder of the belt? Yeah, from my perspective, I, I kind of grouped it into two categories, like kind of the, I mean, it's a basically an oxymoron, but the more mainstream cool kids and then the more underground punk cool kids. Um, in the mainstream category, I'd say Transition was still up there. They just seem to be a brand that everyone is interested in. Um, the other one that came to mind was Common Soul, but I feel like since Common Soul is a lot more affordable, it's less of a, like basically they're easier to get so more people have them and I think that tends to make things less cool over time. So Transition was my main pick and then there are a bunch of small companies that at least for me personally, I get excited about whenever I see one in real life and the few that came to mind were uh, Forbidden, uh, Gorilla Gravity, especially here in Colorado and then Propane. I They've been getting my attention more and more lately okay eric uh i was gonna go with norco actually when i think of and i kind of in the same way i divided it up into like the underground and the above ground cool kids i would say uh above ground i still see a lot of the air quoted cool kids riding yt bikes um so that would be very high on my list but in terms of when I see like the guys on bikes that I'm like trying to keep up with and, you know, be as fast as oftentimes they're on Norco's. So Norco would be my answer. They've got a pretty cool lineup right now and their bikes are seemingly quite fast. 
And I think a large part of that too is one of the local shops is the Norco dealer and a lot of the really fast riders get their bikes through them. Ah, which raises a really important question, which I will have you feel, David, is, is the right answer to this question just simply too regional to be able to generalize in this way? Yeah, I think there's definitely a bit of regional trends to it, uh, though what I was going to say as a sort of joke first answer is that the answer right now is just literally any bike that you can actually get your hands on. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's cool as hell that you have a bicycle. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I thought about a bunch of the brands that Eric and Luke already talked about, but the one that I settled on, and this is definitely more in the a little bit more underground more punk cool kids one is uh raw they're kind of basically like fancy privateer in that they they have two models that match up real neatly with privateers in terms of geometry and travel numbers and stuff but they're just sort of the version of them with they're more expensive with kind of more polished more refined versions of what privateer is doing so that's my call it's a good call you like this call okay raw okay with two a's Double A raw. More raw. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, the the answer I was tempted to go with, and again, I, I worry a bit this might be pretty regional, for me was going to be Gorilla Gravity. I don't know. Listeners out there can either nod along or vigorously shake their head. It might just be because I'm particularly curious about one of their bikes because it keeps coming up in conversation between me and David. But yeah, but it sounds like that's at least an acceptable answer. Let me ask, do we think of the different companies we've now named and that you guys have now all heard our answers, do we think there is a best answer here to this question? If we had to boil it down to one now. I'm not confident enough to determine the best. Like I just think in the bike industry, especially like it's ironic that bikes are so expensive compared to skis, but there are so many other small bike manufacturers than small ski manufacturers that are like actually in business. So I, I had a really tough time picking between all the options. David, why don't we just let you settle this one for us? You think there's the best? In no, I'm kind of with Luke. We've floated a bunch of good stuff and I, I don't think there's any one clearly definitively right answer to it. Okay. What, what was the answer last year? Did we get to a consensus? Not totally. The, Two that were kind of on our short list last year were Forbidden and Gorilla Gravity. Okay. All right. Well, nice job, Forbidden and Gorilla Gravity. Keeping it around the cool kids for a couple years in a row. All right, let's move over to the ski side of this question. Which ski company do you think is currently holding the cool kids belt? I also like, by the way, that Eric has introduced a wildly condescending new category of the air quotes cool kids. Like, wow. Uh, we should get those t-shirts made, by the way. Yeah. I'm an air quote cool kid. That would be pretty good. Eric, I feel like you should, you know, have the honor of kicking this off. Do we need to further define air quote cool kid? No. Yeah. Leave it alone. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Agreed. Leave it alone. All right. What did you have for an answer on the ski side, Eric? Uh, I was going to go with ON3P. Why? Well, I think 
they've got i don't pay as much attention but they've got a pretty strong team of athletes right now don't they or they have up until recently uh they've got a pretty interesting lineup um they've made a ski called the grizzly corn which i just think is great and i think they even do like custom skis don't they so if uh if you need your uber cool kid factor you can have your custom on3p skis so okay are you differentiating on the ski side air quote cool kid versus underground cool kid or do you just have one answer to this question just one answer to this question okay interesting david what did you have here so i started thinking about this one just by looking at the angle of kind of of the stuff I've spent time on recently, what have I gotten most questions and attention about? Um, but then I kind of realized that the answer to that was just a couple of skis that have the coolest top sheets. And I'm anything that I'm on is probably not really the cool kids anyway. I'm a little too old for that. So um, I kind of went another direction after, after that line of thinking and settled on season is my idea. New company, they've got a big name athlete behind it and just sort of doing some interesting things with their branding in terms of all black top sheets and keeping it real bare bones and trying to be a little punk rock about it. So that was my answer. Pretty solid answer. Pretty solid answer, David. I hadn't, I had not been thinking season. Luke, what did you come up with? Uh, I was real indecisive and basically came up with a few different categories. Um, <laughs> for mainstream cool kids, I think Black Rose is still still at the top with Faction right behind them, maybe less so than the past few years. And then I think there are the kind of large indie brands um, and Moment and ON3P both seem to be kind of on the same playing field in that category. And then I think custom ski brands are like their whole own category in itself because you get people who get one custom ski and then just keep getting more or like that's the only ski they use. I was thinking about this a lot in terms of like communicating with member blister members and the amount of people who when I talk to them about their background have only been on like one brand or something like that. I think once people get a custom ski, usually they tend to stick to that brand. So like Folsom, Praxis, Parlor, um, I'm definitely missing a few, um, Wagner. Uh, but I think that's kind of in its own category in itself, but yeah, kind of, I'm not the most satisfying answer, but a few options. Well, what I had written down for this one, I had Black Rose, Forefront, Moment, ON3P, and I have a bit of a futures answer that is very similar to Friesen's answer to a, a, like a couple questions back. I wrote Rosignol. I have some apparently some optimism or high hopes too. Where, where I think Rosy is right now, and because and another thing I was really thinking about is there are a number of companies that are making individual skis. That it's like, I think, I mean, I like light up when I see them and I don't know if the cool kids are lighting up when they see them. But like, for example, that pink Fisher Ranger 102, that ski is sick. That ski is sick in any color. And I still love that ski. And, um, you know, the Rosy Black Ops, AKA Gamer, we love that ski. 
everybody knows I like freaked out and I'm still kind of geeked out on this Rozzy Sender squad. And, um, you know, so I think like I can think of a lot of brands who have like a particular model that I'm like, if I see somebody on that, I'm like, good to see, you know, dude, you know, but, um, in terms of like companies that are like almost regardless of what model it is, which I think is really getting to the question itself. That's where I think some of the companies that I named, like people see them and it's like pretty cool. Uh, so there you go. And another futures bet on Rosignol, maybe. What did we have last year, David? We talked about a few other companies, including Moment, but sort of settled in on ON3P and J as our two ideas. Oh, I, f- I forgot to I forgot to mention park skiing, Vishnu, and jet skis are definitely the the cool kids in that category. But it's a lot more niche than the other ones we talked about. Okay, um, so I will be skiing Vishnu's this coming season just to keep it. Just to keep it air quote cool. Yeah, we got to totally, totally change your wardrobe to do that. That's true. That's <laughs> true. And, and where I ski. Yeah, we'll get an old camcorder, only shoot fisheye. It'll be great. Perfect. You know I love fisheye, right, Luke? All right, next question. I like this question. Which brand do other brands secretly want to trade places with? So we'll go... Bike company first. Let's go with Friesen. Eric, what's the bike company that all the other bike companies want to be? I was kind of thinking my answer to this question would be specialized. They take their racing and their their competitive outlets very, very seriously, which I think is kind of a luxury for a lot of brands and people would love to be able to do that. They're also pretty ruthless with protecting themselves within the space that they operate in, which, you know, isn't the easiest thing to do. And I think a lot of brands would probably love to do more of that, even if they're not actively. They have a ton of heritage and history in the industry, which gives them a lot of credibility, which I'm sure a lot of brands would love to have. And I think there was one more. Um, Oh, we talked about it already. They have a huge freaking lineup, which uh, who wouldn't love to have a huge and diverse lineup of things to sell for money? Luke. Um, A few came to mind. One was transition, mostly because of like I've talked to David about it. They seem, and this is just conjecture, but they seem like the ones that are they're I mean, they're successful right now, but they seem like they're having the most fun. Whereas everyone else is just stressing about getting as many bikes as possible and selling a bunch transition. They come across as having a pretty nice work-life balance. So I viewed it from that perspective. And then the other one was Gorilla Gravity because they're of their manufacturing and that they're kind of cool kid status. But I think, especially right now, the fact that they have more control over their manufacturing um, would make a lot of a lot of brands jealous right about now. And that they don't have to ship it across the ocean. David. Yeah, so I think there are a couple different ways to look at it. Eric's framing of doing specialized totally makes sense from a certain lens and i think santa cruz would be the other company that i would put out being kind of in a similar mold there um but then i I think sort of my perspective as engineering background and stuff made me look at it a little differently and i landed actually on gorilla gravity for almost exactly the same reasons that luke just said i think 
you know, depending if you want to look at it more from the business side of having a big company that makes everything and makes a ton of money, then Specialized or Santa Cruz makes sense. If you look at it from the perspective of being a company that can do some really interesting stuff technically, like Luke said, having control over their own manufacturing right now, which most companies of that size don't, they're contracting out to factories in Eastern Asia somewhere and uh, is a big man for Gorilla Gravity. And so depending how you want to frame it and how you want to look at it, you can sort of put two different spins on it. But Gorilla Gravity was what I had written down. I'd written down Santa Cruz for reasons we've kind of already discussed, but I like I like where Luke and David are coming from on their answers. Did we have a consensus answer on this last year? We didn't. So the two that we talked about were Santa Cruz and Transition most for the kind of two different framings that we just ran through, but we didn't decide which was the more preferable framing, I guess. Okay. On the ski side of things, I found myself a little surprised with my answer, but my answer was quite a COVID specific answer and ties in very much to the argument that Luke made on the bike side of things. And so I had written down moment one, because they're building their own stuff in Reno, Nevada, and they're just not heavily dependent on the European market which this past year, right, all the chairlifts were spinning in in the U.S. or in the vast, vast majority of places in the U.S. and Canada. And, um, you know, Europe was, it was a tough year in Europe um, with some countries not spinning chairs at all, et cetera. And so I think manufacturing your own stuff, having, you know, a nice sized market not the biggest market, but a nice size, and then just not being very dependent at all, really, on the Europe. Not dependent. There's certainly a lot of European people on moments and that love moments, but I don't see them as being very dependent on the European market in a way that a lot of ski companies are. So that was my answer on the ski side. Uh, Luke, what do you think? Yeah, I had the same answer um, for basically... I didn't really think about it as much in terms of the European market, but I think... They've got a very, very loyal fan base and they control their manufacturing. And I think basically the same exact thing could be said for O3P as well. They were kind of vying for my top spot. But yeah, I definitely drew a parallel between those two and Gorilla Gravity for my answer for both. I think Moment's just doing significantly more volume than O3P right now. So if companies were looking you know, that's a relevant factor if we're talking about what kind of, you know, what would other companies want to see or be? I think I'd probably in this case, take the company doing a bit more volume. So David thoughts. Yep. I had a moment written down too. I had real similar line of thinking. Not much to add. Okay. Eric, you had to have something weird here. There's no way moments going four for four. Sorry, maybe cut for a second. What the hell was the name of that? Was it three 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 skis? The guy that made him in a trailer in Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, three three three. Uh, I, th- I think okay. he rebranded to Community, Community skis, skis. Maybe final answer. Huh. <laughs> yep, that's um, 
who doesn't answer? who doesn't want to do that oh, man. no honestly i actually for this question i was kind of this is the only one i didn't have an answer written down for i was sort of curious to see what everybody else would say um you could certainly you know for any of the big european brands you could make some you know kind of like i did for specialized you can make some i think pretty educated arguments as to why you know they have uh, a lot of big things going for them i just didn't feel like there was as much of a standout in that sense. Um, you know, they seem to all be on a little bit more of a level playing field in that regard. Um, and I really, uh, I have one smaller ski brand that I'm going to talk about in a question or two that I'm kind of saving my answer for. I had, I had one or two that I was thinking of, but nothing that really like rose to the top of feeling like, uh, other brands, you know, kind of idolize them. So, yeah. And I mean, to me, really matters on this one. Again, there's a lot of smaller companies that are very good companies and I think had very good seasons, but I'm trying to think of this both of like, so anybody smaller than those companies would be like, wow, that would be a nice position to be in. But I was trying to figure out like the reason I kind of landed on moment, it was because just my own thinking through like, okay, but even some of the larger companies what is going to work for the large, well-known companies and the small, lesser-known companies, you know, and any of those companies might be doing well in their own right, but you kind of have to strike that happy medium in terms of volume. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely, frankly, could imagine a lot of ski companies listening to this and thinking like, yeah, those guys at moments seem fine, but like, we're not trying to be moment right now. But then I'm just at a loss of who else they would really look at and be like, that's the company that would be killing it. So, okay. David, consensus last year on these on this question? You and I both said Blizzard last year, and then Noah and Eric both said some other nonsense, but we were right. So, Cool. That sounds about right. Shout out to Noah, by the way, our fallen brethren. You know, we would absolutely have had Noah back in on this. I feel like I'm definitely cheating on Noah. This is the first bikes versus skis that I haven't done with him, but he's just, he's raising twins and we just like, it's madness. And we just thought it would actually be the charitable thing to do would just be, let him raise these human beings and not have to try to think through this question since he's mostly just the main thing he's done over the last 12 months is not sleep. So I, I, you know, we were like kind of letting him off the hook and, you know, don't tell him, but, you know, I just thought a sleep deprived dude who's been trying to keep two twins alive isn't going to have very good, you know, up-to-date answers to these questions. So anyway, but we love you, Noah, miss you, hope everyone's alive, including you. As of a week ago, they were, I can confirm, saw everybody and in fact went camping with all of them. So Noah and Aaron took the kids out camping for a night and I... It worked out all right. So they survived that and all is well. In one of our past podcasts, David, we were talking, it was me, you and Noah, I think. I don't remember if Eric was on this one, but we were talking about Noah running like an experiment on his two kids. Do you remember this? Oh, I do now that you mention it. Yeah. Something like going with different parenting techniques on the two of them and seeing what their results would end up being. 
like one rides 27.5 and one rides 29 from birth. <laughs> a whole bunch of versions of that, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that they're not identical twins because it would control for that experiment a little better, but we should still get him back on that program. Yeah, well, Noah and Aaron, I, and I'm everybody survived camping, so that's amazing to hear too. So good job, team. All right, next question. Which company is currently kind of flying under the radar, but deserves way more attention? Bike companies. Let's, uh, Luke, what did you have on this? I didn't have any that were like clear, obvious answers. Maybe because I feel like I, I don't have a great idea of like how many of the, how many people in the general population are that tuned into all these tiny bike companies that are out there. Um, but two that came to mind, especially from a perspective coming from the United States, propane uh, bikes. I still haven't seen one in person here, but f- from my perspective, what they're doing in terms of like value for the price, their suspension design, their geometry, it all looks very appealing. Um, and it seems like they're kind of becoming some of the cooler kids on the block. Um, so I'm curious about them. And then Revel, I mean, they've been like every company, they've been selling out of all their bikes, but I'm particularly just very eager to see what what they do with their lineup going forward. Because I think like when we spent time on that rail, I really like the suspension design. Um, and I'm curious what the the next generation is going to look like mostly in terms of geometry but they're another one that i think maybe i think especially outside of colorado people probably aren't super tuned into them okay yeah i was about to dock you a point on that answer because i feel like well i was about to say i don't really feel like revels flying under the radar but again maybe that has more to do with our geography yeah we're we're 45 miles away from their headquarters. David, what'd you have? I need to stop going after Luke. I had propane also, actually. I mean, this is definitely some bigger scale regional bias going on. They're a European company that's making inroads into North America, but their bikes are seem really well thought out from geometry and price spec standpoint. They're doing very good stuff. They have a pretty big range with some cool options uh not for nothing their bikes look amazing they've just got the industrial design and visuals super dialed and there are not a whole lot of them around the u.s so far but um they're clearly trying to make a push to change that and i think they should they've got some really good stuff going eric well i did have revel but because again they just a brand with a lot of enthusiasm and I i think that's you get really good stuff and magic out of that as a result. But in an effort to bring up another brand that I think flies under the radar that more people should be aware of and and probably use their stuff, um, Banshee bikes. I'm thinking of it in part because I rode and really enjoyed my time on the prime last fall. Um, but I also, the Spitfire was a, a bike that I'll always remember. And, uh, you just, you don't see a lot of them in the wild. I would also echo that like sexy as hell kind of comment. Those are some good looking bikes. Um, you know, it's, there's something pretty cool to be said about a brand that sticks exclusively to metal. Um, 
and they've got a pretty big range of offerings too. And so I just, I would love to see more people on them because I think they ride well and probably, you know, folks that are worth supporting. So Banshee. Let me throw a name out to you guys and see what you think. You can reject this or accept it as on the flying under the radar line. Canfield. David? Yeah, they're interesting. I mean, they're a company that has a pretty strong heritage going back a ways, especially in the DH scene, had a little bit of a lull and are now undergoing a resurgence. But yeah, I think that's a solid answer. And I think that Eric's answer of Banshee is a super good one. That's a really good call. But yeah, I mean, Canfield's a little bit of a like borderline on whether they're really under the radar or not, but I think are doing good things that are kind of riding the ship a little bit and turning things around in a good way. So shout out to them for what they're doing. Okay, on the ski company side, by the way, I didn't offer an answer on the bike side. This was one where I, I got a bit stumped. So you guys had very good answers. So good job, team. On the ski company side, what do you think? Who is flying under the radar but deserves way more attention than they are currently getting? David, you had such a good answer to that Camfield question. What did you have here? So my answer to this question is maybe indexing a little too hard on one specific ski, but I'm going with prior for uh, specifically for the Hisumi. I borrowed a pair from a friend earlier for a bit this year. Absolutely loved them. I know, Luke, you've liked the uh, what CBC and uh, Northwest pretty well, right? Oh, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm a fan of mostly the CBC and the Northwest series. The Hasumi is more of a you guys ski and less of a me ski. Fair. Very solid answer out of the gate. Eric, who did you have? I think for me, I'd say wonder skis. I think what they're doing with the way they're building skis is pretty cool. They're probably flying a little bit under the radar right now, just because they're very new, very small, and they have a fairly limited lineup. Um, having gotten to ski something they're going to be releasing in, in 2022, like I'm just really excited to see them continue to build skis because they build shapes that I like. Um, the environment is cool too, but I want my skis to ski more gooder. So I will uh, I'll go with them in the hopes that they continue building cool skis and making a bigger name for themselves. Two good answers. Luke, what did you have? I had wonder as well. Um, I'm going to get even more specific though, like similar to what David did. I think wonder is flying under the radar for people who spend most of their time riding lifts. Because Wonder started as a backcountry brand. They market themselves as a backcountry brand. And I think they make really good backcountry skis. But given that a lot of inbound skis these days weigh as much as Wonder's skis, and I think Wonder skis ski quite well for how little they weigh, I think there are plenty of people who would really enjoy riding some of them inbounds. I, I wouldn't choose them as a dedicated inbound ski, but... I given how popular a lot of similarly lightweight skis are for inbound skiers, I think they have reason to check them out. Solid rationale. Solid different rationale to the same answer of a question. So good. I actually wrote down on this one. I just said, I'm mostly interested in Luke's answer here. Yeah. I've, I've like, I, I've, I just quit apparently on this one. I also did write down one company, and I, I wanted to ask you about this, Luke. 
I could be off base here, but I just wrote down majesty question mark. Yeah, I had them with the caveat, at least the ones we've skied recently, because we've only been on three of the latest models, but I love the Superwolf. Paul has gotten along quite well with the Havoc, and I got along pretty well with the Vanguard. We ended up having a a pre-production model, so that one was a little tricky, but it was... Our experiences in the past with their skis had been kind of iffy, but all three of the ones we got last year were just positive experiences across the board. So I think, especially given that they moved into the North American market relatively recently around here, I would say they you could definitely say they're flying under the radar right now. The other kind of company that came to mind on this, though it didn't feel for some reason totally right in terms of like flying under the radar, I think of this more in just of like, I think this company is going to continue to see consistent growth like year over year. And that's Folsom. I, I think I think what Folsom is doing right now, I know they've been growing and I don't really see that slowing down anytime soon. But um, for some reason, it didn't quite translate into like a, oh yeah, they're definitely like flying under the radar. So anyway, that's like a non-answer to this question. Okay, it's time now to go to the other side of this coin for a less happy (laughs) question. Who is currently... And we do mean currently just for this specific point in time. These things can change. But if we had to say what bike company is currently overhyped, who would we go with? David, I'm going to start with you. So I feel bad about this answer because it is through no real fault of their own. And I think they actually make good bikes. But I'm going with Yeti just because they have a rabid fan base that is in many cases convinced that they are on categorically the best bikes in the universe and they are like i like the sb130 i like the sb150 they make some good stuff but the just yeah again purely through no part of fault of yeti's own the degree to which their fans think hold them in just outrageously high esteem is a bit outpacing how good the bikes actually are but David, they're called super bikes. It's in the name. That's true. It's a great point, Luke. Okay, so it is Yeti's fault is what we're saying, actually. No. I think you are misdirecting this question slightly and sort of calling out, let's just say certain members of the uh, Yeti community. No, I mean, I hear you. But at the same time, like we're talking about sort of reputation outpacing the bikes and the yeah basically what david is saying is yeti owners you need to calm down a little bit that's what i hear him saying yeah that that is what i'm saying yes okay okay eric what did you have on this one (laughs) i believe i answered yeti last year and for fear of making them into just the whipping boy of this whole segment because that was also what I was going to say. Um, I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to go with uh, Pole Bicycles, because their tagline is literally the best mountain bikes in the world. And I haven't been paying super close attention, but it seems like they're having some real big QC issues and some pretty big restructuring going on at the moment. And so it would seem like 
the internet hype machine has kind of outstripped their ability to keep up with delivering products. Um, and so I'm going to go with poll for this. Okay. Luke. I, I thought about the, I, I was having a hard time with this. Like Yeti came to mind. Santa Cruz came to mind mostly similar to David, just because of the, the owners I've interacted with, but I was actually going to, toss out common Sol as an option mostly because i think a lot of people buy their bikes based off the hype that like and there's a lot of good rationale behind it but i think the thing is that they don't make bikes for everyone and i think people kind of just get sucked into the fact that like they make fast bikes they have modern geo it's a really good deal but that's not what everyone needs and so I think there could be an argument being made there that like some people that are on common souls would be better off on a different bike. But I don't know. I was kind of, I was kind of reaching for that one. I don't know. I actually quite like that answer. You guys are being very nuanced with your answers. I'm quite impressed, quite impressed team. We'll accept that. And I mean, as a common Sol rider, is this to say Luke that you you bought the wrong bike you just can't you can't keep up with your bike <laughs> no thankfully not but i did like like when i was researching the bike that i bought I, it was definitely something that was on my mind i'm like oh maybe i should go with something a bit more conservative but fortunately like i'm just such a talented rider that i can adapt to any bike <laughs> perfect <laughs> perfect that's that's what i was thinking okay um are you gonna answer any of these questions this evening yeah seriously it's a great it's a great question that you asked. We're not inviting you next year. <laughs> I get kicked out of my own series. Actually all three of your answers, I like I liked where Friesen ended up. I always like calling out communities of people who just need to calm down. And I think that's a nice segue then to move this question over to the ski side because I'm pretty confident that on the ski side last year, oh, actually, this might not be true. I was about to segue into like Stokely, but maybe I'm just switching my answer and glomming on to David's answer about communities that are convinced that like this is the only product in this entire category that is amazing and everything else is trash. Like that still would seemingly be the badge of uh, Stokely owners. But I actually followed the rules of the question. I didn't like do this misdirect like David did. Anyway, so Stokely community, calm down. But in terms of currently overhyped, I don't know. I actually, I think I want to change my answer on the spot and keep it with Stokely. Yeah. Well, last year you specifically asked who is the Stokely of the bike world, like along that exact same rationale. And we went with Yeti. For the sort of more specifically overhyped thing, last year we went with Evil on pretty similar to ra rationale to what I said for Yeti. But I do actually think that the evil people have calmed down a little bit. So good on them. Things are a little more back in line. Like, and again, this is another company that actually makes some decent bikes. It's not like they're making garbage and they're held in weirdly high esteem. There was just a little kind of boiling over of the, the particular fan group. But, uh, I think they have calmed down a little bit on and good on them for that. So, yeah, keep it going, David. What did you have on the ski company side of things? I didn't love this answer. This is one of the ones I had a hard time with, but 
I ended up going with Black Crows. I think they make some skis that they do some decent stuff. They have, but they, we talked about them as being one of the last time we talked about them as a company that had sort of uh, moved past being the cool kids because the people who were no longer cool had caught on to them being the cool kids and jumped on top of it. And I think there's sort of some carryover effect there where they just have a lot of people who are still real excited about them from that cool kids afterglow, but maybe that's outpacing the actual product a little bit. Yeah. It's like being a victim of your own success, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like when the cool indie band makes it big and then the people who were originally on that band are like, I got to get off this train. It's too popular now. It's like that. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Luke, what did you have on the ski side? I had for brands, I had Black Crows as well, but ironically, like, so in the the past few years, they were one, super popular, everyone was asking about them, and two, at least for the skis I got on, were kind of hit or miss and in terms of performance. And I'd say a lot of companies are hit or miss, but I think combined with the massive popularity and interest from readers... Um, it kind of seemed uh, like it didn't match up with the performance. But then over the past season and a half, I feel like the performance of the skis has been more consistently good. So I think they're heading in the right direction. But that was the first that came to mind. And then I also thought of just specific skis and the head course series <laughs> came to mind, which I mean, ironically, I had some really fun days on the new core skis, uh, but they were days when it had just snowed um, and they're really fun in that. But I think especially in terms of people who are real vocal about them being the best skis in the world, I don't think they are for a lot of conditions and skiers. Really fun in certain conditions, really fun for certain types of skiers, but I think their massive popularity might not have been warranted. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, they're absolutely crushing it in terms of sales on that core series. Yeah. We know that, but yeah, I mean, it kind of, as I was saying a bit about atomic earlier, it's like, we just are not the biggest proponents for an entire series. That's based on being everything in that lineup light and stiff. So, I mean, good on everybody who is absolutely loving these things. And I hope given how well they're selling one congrats to head on that. And two, I hope the people on them truly are loving these things, but I don't know, maybe they should come ski CB with us on a random like Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. My guess is they are enjoying them. They just haven't been, on heavier skis recently who's to say maybe you're just a weirdo luke and have weird opinions on things that's probably the probably what's happening here did you notice how i made that all about you and not me you have the weird opinion yeah i'm famous for <laughs> being really opinionated about heavy skis <laughs> eric friesen what's your answer to this hmm, i struggled with this one a bit um and I'm I'm kind of making this up a little bit, but uh, as far as overhyped brands right now, I would say I would go with Faction. 
I haven't seen a new Candide video in a little bit. I th- I think uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Sam spent most of last season hurt, so I wasn't. I don't think I was seeing a lot of cool stuff coming out of him. They got rid of the the Prime series, which I'm bitter about, and it seems like a lot of their stuff has been blown up recently in terms of durability. So. I don't know. This is a pretty weak answer, but I'm I'm going with Faction as, as being a brand that's uh, has crested the hype train and is on the way down. Hmm. And the way that I would kind of frame that for what it's worth, like, yeah, a year or two ago, they were absolutely high, you know, on the list of like blowing up straight up cool kids skis. And I think they're still going through a process of kind of, you know, I mean, I know for a fact, you know, that they've been kind of rethinking their lineup, switching factories, you know, so they're kind of, you know, I I don't necessarily disagree with your characterization. They were kind of on a bit of a meteoric rise and I think are now in a period where they are shifting things around, lining things up, looking to kind of solidify where they're at. And um, that's kind of why they didn't fall for me as an answer to this. I don't feel like they are currently overhyped, but I'm very curious. Like we've been talking about like, where's Rozzy going to be in a year or two? That's the question I'm most interested in with faction right now, you know? Um, But it feels like maybe they're, maybe they're in that remote cabin in Russia, chopping wood and training for the big fight. You know, I'm trying to make a Rocky Rocky three reference here. Don't know how well that's going, but anyway, I'm going to just try to stop talking uh, now. <laughs> Do we need to talk about answers to this question from last year, David? Yeah, we already talked about evil on the bike side. On the facts, on the ski side, we went with faction last year. So, sorry, faction. Next question. Who has the strongest brand loyalty? So once you buy a bike from this company, you always buy bikes from this company. So yes, we're starting on the bike side. Eric, who's got the strongest brand loyalty in the bike world? I was trying to remember what I said last year, and I I think I was trying to be clever, and I'm going to be trying to be clever again this year. So I'm going with Moots as the bike brand with the most loyalty from its customers. Do you care to elaborate or should I just move on to David? So what I will say about that is that last year, one of the things you brought up, Eric, was uh, light speed. And you were talking about creeping oh, to yeah. people's garages. Oh, and yeah. How that you was saw weird. It. Yeah. Yeah. You, did you stop doing that, Eric? Or are you still, you still creeping in people's garages? All about that life. So Moots is kind of the equivalent, just parallel to that that line of thinking. Completely. Yeah. And I, I couldn't have told you that I had said light speed, but clearly my brain is still in the same place a year later. So, nope. Still creeping and peeping. Okay. That's weird. Um, Research. David, what do you got? Brand loyalty in the bike world. Feels like a boring chalk answer, but I'm still going with Yeti for all of the reasons that I just said before about in the last question. I mean, I think, and part of it too is that they, do a fairly strong job of fostering that on their own end. They have their whole Yeti, well, no longer calling it the tribe. I forget what they rebranded to, but they 
in addition to having fans of the brand who are very vocal and very serious about it, they make a point of fostering a rider community and having a big part of their branding be around come join us kind of thing. And that lends to it as well. But that's the result. Luke? Yeah, Yeti was the top one, especially living in Colorado. I feel like it's even more exaggerated here. Um, Santa Cruz was my second one. I don't, I don't find Santa Cruz owners as like vocal about it, but I feel like when I talk to people, like they've had multiple Santa Cruz bikes in a row and then pivot also came to mind. Um, I think especially for them, people, uh, who get along well with DW link suspension tend to like it on, uh, all of their bikes and, they have, yeah, seems like a bit of a, a close following, but Yeti was the most obvious one for me, at least. Yep. I'd written down Yeti as well. And by the way, in case we need to point out this fact, every single bike company on earth wishes they were the answer to this question. If you are actually running a business, you want to be the answer to the question, who has the strongest brand loyalty? So I feel like this somehow started to slightly turn into like a pejorative thing. We're like, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's Yeti. It's like, that's the like blue ribbon gold star and every other brand probably needs to be thinking harder maybe about how do we replicate that kind of loyalty and success just in case that was if anybody thought we were like oh yeah that's not a cool award like no that's called how you stay in business and thrive so anyway i'll i'll get off that soapbox is that who we had last year david they were one of a couple we talked about ibis and transition were the other two that were sort of in the conversation all right on the ski side of things which ski company do you think has the most brand loyalty once you buy a ski from them, you always buy a ski from them. Luke Kappa, what you got? I had three groups again. Um, <laughs> Kesley and Stokely, I grouped together. Um, maybe it's just because we get a lot of comments about them. But people seem to be very convinced that they make the best skis that have ever existed. And I'm sure... I mean, I've only tried a couple, but I'm sure there are, they make some very good skis. I don't think that any ski company really makes the best skis in the world by a big margin. But anyway, they seem to be a very vocal minority. Um, on the bigger or the indie side moment in ON3P, I kind of grouped together. I feel like that's a company, at least what I see on the internet, where people have an entire quiver of skis from that brand. They're really into them. And then, like I mentioned earlier, custom ski manufacturers, I think once for the, a lot of people, once they buy one of them, they tend to keep buying them. Or even if it's not that many, just kind of stick to them once they have that relationship established. One of the things I wonder of those three groups, like the Moment ON3P group, this is a question, but do the like vast majority of the folks that slot into there and they're showing their, you know, pictures of their quivers of, you know, every ski made by that company, is that always going to be the case for them? Or does that seem to be a bit more of the crowd who is kind of always on the lookout for like the new, new and the new cool? 
You know what I mean? Like like the Kesley Stokely crowd, I don't think that question has been settled in their minds. You know what I mean? I think because uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but Kesley and Stokely have been around for a long time. I think Moment and O3P are newer, but I think the people that got in early are going to stick with them for a while. Yeah. David, thoughts? Yeah, I think those are both good answers. The one I went with was vocal. And, I, and this one's maybe a little softer. I think they have in some ways for a little bit diluted some of the loyalty they had, you know, when they went away from making the metal katanas a while back and, you know, they had a, a, a pretty loyal following for those for a long time. And obviously they, there's now the katana 108, which, you know, is sort of not really the same thing anymore. <laughs> There are still a lot of people who like what they're doing. The the mantra series has been super popular for a long time and has some real devotees. And maybe those people aren't making their entire quiver out of vocal in the same way that Luke was talking about with Moment No and 3P. But there are a lot of people who have been big fans of at least certain skis that they make for a long time and are really sticking with those. Okay. Eric. My answer was also vocal um, and kind of where my headspace was at with this was uh, when I encounter people on chairlifts who are most frequently excited to tell me about a pair of skis that they're still on, that they've been on for, you know, a number of years and they're really reticent or refusing to get rid of and ski something else. I would say seven out of 10 times, it's going to be a vocal. That's a great answer to this. Yeah, that's a good, or it's a great way to answer this question. Yeah. So, and I would agree everything, you know, that David just kind of said is, is on point, but in terms of loyalty that that's, that's been my experience. I like this. So the answer is on the chairlifts, the people who maybe aren't on the brand new, new, but it's the people that are like, these skis are 8 or 10 or 12 years old, and they're stoked on that fact. They're often rocking vocals. 7 out of 10 times. I'd written down the, like, Kesley Stokely thing, and, uh, you know, so I don't think I have anything else to contribute uh, to this, but you guys did a good job answering it. David, do we need to share results from last year? Yeah, we had Kesley Stokely, and then Dina Starr was the other one we brought up last year. That mm. that, was, that was a Noah Bodman answer. It was my answer last year too, both of us actually. Yeah. That's interesting. But I mean, Dina Star's doing a bit of a reinvention right now. Yeah. I think you could just say people that ski the pro rider. <laughs> that was what I said last year, actually. <laughs> yeah. Specifically brought that yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One yeah. ski loyalty. Okay. Hey, we've made it to our last question. Good job, all. I actually really like this question. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you all say. Which company would you buy stock in right now? And since I tend to like questions where it's always like, you have to force money into these things, you know, and I like try to ratchet up the stakes like we did, uh, you know, in our last conversation with David and Eric, placing wagers on mullet bikes and, you know, you're going to be out like five grand if you get the answer wrong. I think we should, I think we should up the commitment. You got to scrounge up $10,000 of your own money, or you've been creeping and peeping in a lot of garages and you're trying to scrounge it up that way. I don't really care, I guess, how you go about getting this 10 grand, but you've got to invest this in a company next week. And let's say 
you will pull out that investment in five years, okay? Who you buy in stock in on the bike side to maximize this return? Lou Kappa, you seem to be a savvy investor. So let's start with you. Well, first off, I'm just going to steal this investment from my boss. I know where he lives. So that takes care of the initial <laughs> investment. Um, I would probably, I think I'd go with Commonsol because uh, they're cool. They're priced competitively, which might cut into the margins, but um, they're also killing it on the race scene especially like the up and comer like the junior race scene because their bikes are less expensive and they're fast especially the supreme like you see those everywhere and yeah i think they're only going to keep growing they're ahead of the curve in terms of geometry good build kits for the money i don't see them getting less popular anytime soon and yeah, seems like a pretty, I don't, I, maybe it's not going to be like the biggest return on investment because probably because of their margins, but I think I'm not going to lose all of your money, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> that you stole from me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this seems like a safe place to put the money that you stole from me. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Appreciate that. Well, you didn't. Are you returning it to me in five years, or you? Uh, we'll we'll see how much I make. <laughs> okay, David, what do you got? Yeah, so I went with something that I thought was going to have just a little bit more potential for growth, and maybe a little less safe, but shooting for the stars a little higher here. And I went with Rebel. I think they're a company that um, they have a lot of potential for growth. They obviously, like just about everybody, kind of in some ways got stymied a little bit by this last year of COVID and didn't, I think, get to move forward and release new stuff in quite the way they wanted to. But they're doing interesting things. Their bikes have been well-received. Like Luke said in talking about them earlier, I think they're kind of due for a geometry update on a couple things and need to take a next step now. But I think they're well-positioned to do it. And I think I have just high hopes for what they're going to do in the years to come. Eric Friesen. Hmm. I think I'm going to go with the uh, buy low, sell high tactic here. And I would buy stock in Ibis right now, I think. Um, I really like Ibis's bikes. I like their design language. But I think it's been a little while since we've seen something that's been um, kind of big, new, and exciting for them. And I'm pretty hopeful that in the next sort of design cycle, you know, the next like four year build out, um, we'll see something that is, you know, not the HD six as, as an example. So right now I think it's a, a very valuable brand that's maybe a little bit undervalued because they're not grabbing as many eyeballs as they have in years past. Um, but I think that uh, they've consistently over the years put out some some very, very high performing and quality bikes. I, I think they are still now, but I think when they get into a uh, new release, um, we'll see a lot of attention shift back their ways as, as hopefully they do something that uh, catches people's attention again. And I think with their aluminum, the aluminum versions that they've been putting out recently, that's definitely helping them move forward. Like I've seen a bunch of uh, Ripmo AFs recently and you've been riding that Ripley AF and I think that's definitely a, a good step uh, forward for them. I went back and forth on this one. I had two companies. 
I took this real seriously. Like I was really trying to figure out like which would return better. And I had written down Gorilla Gravity and Revel. Gorilla Gravity, that's one I actually do feel really confident that they're just going to be, you know, they're going to be returning in five years. But honestly, with Revel, I just would bet on Adam Miller straight up. Like, I think Adam is really sharp. I think he's done a great job of making connections in the industry. He's done this. He's proven this with a few companies now. And so, like, even if I wanted to say Gorilla Gravity, like, I don't like not betting on Adam is basically where that comes down for me. So, yeah, that's kind of how I answered let me, David, I'm curious, do you, I mean, Revel was also your answer, but to help figure out why we might put a Gorilla Gravity or a Revel ahead of one over the other, how would you look at those two five years from now? Yeah, I think Gorilla Gravity is maybe a little bit safer bet with a little bit less potential for a really big return. Got it. Yep. Okay. And so last year, what were our answers, David? It was Gorilla Gravity and Revel, actually. We were wow. on the same wavelength. And I think in large part, this last year just kind of in some ways put people into a holding pattern, not being able to release things in the way they hope to and so on. And so they still seem valid. We're still kind of, you know, the world has changed dramatically, but in some ways in terms of making progress on things, we just kind of took a little hiatus and... Yeah. Well, David, let me just ask you then, before we move to the ski side, of all the indie little bike manufacturers that we didn't name, if you had to answer this question, and I guess I'm, you know, forgive me for not, you know, thinking of this exactly where they fall in terms of market share or something, but if we're talking about privateer and forbidden and any range of like smaller companies like this, if you had to name one who you think has the best shot in the next, say, five to six years of really, really gaining that kind of market share, like in the way we just talked about with Revel, who would you single out on the like perhaps more underground end of things? I think Privateer is a good answer for that. They're doing compelling stuff. I know they have some new models in the works. They're going to expand their range right now. It's only two bikes. But I think they're they've kind of found a good niche in that they're doing really nice, really aggressive bikes for pretty cheap. But on the other hand, maybe that also limits them a little bit and that they, unless they kind of totally break out of the mold they're in right now, they don't have the biggest sort of window of like, they make bikes for absolutely everyone. And that's kind of what I'd say about forbidden too. I think they're doing cool stuff, but they're, not positioned in a way that they're going to be making a bike for everybody and have that massive explosive growth unless they really dramatically change what they're doing. Eric, did you have something on this? Yeah, I think I got a good answer. How about Atherton bikes? Because you you can't get one yet and maybe in five years you can. And they look cool. And I'll bet people will buy a lot of them when you can buy them. That's actually not a terrible answer. To the ski company side of things, which company would you buy stock in right now with the hope of one, you don't lose all your money and two, you get a maybe the best return your 
you can. It's kind of the spirit of this question, I suppose. David. What I had down for this one was Wonder, I think. They make interesting skis. They've got the added sort of potential upside of the interesting technology they're incorporating. And there's some possibilities there. And I think they can grow that, make a bigger line of skis, continue with what they're doing and have a potential for becoming a lot bigger than they are right now. Eric Friesen. I was going to go for a, uh, since we're not going to have snow in, you know, 15 years anyways, um, I was going to go for Solomon because they'll figure out something. They're big enough. They got enough engineers. I'll get my money back. Wow, that was, that was dark. You're one predicting there will be no snow. So you're investing in Solomon because they'll bring back rollerblades or and something. That's how that they're, they're on it. Water skis. They'll protect my money. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you're seeing a dark pivot. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if, well, that actually is a very coherent answer and you are investing in the ski company that is well known for making very good running shoes because it's, we're not going to have any more snow. So that got dark, ladies and gentlemen, but it is coherent. And uh, now I'm just sad, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, Luke, bring us home. Make this brighter. Fix this. Yeah. Help us, Luke. Uh, well, yeah, assuming there's still snow around, um, I would invest in Renown for their technology. I would invest in J-Skis and Forefront for their business model and as more of a like a conservative investment moment because they're cool, they're manufacturing, and they seem to be gaining popularity year over year. Well, wow, it really was your approach to every single question to come up with three answers. I'm either very indecisive or I'm just trying to diversify my <laughs> portfolio. And you guys, if if one of your companies goes down, you're screwed, but... I'll be I'll be safe. Oh, that's amazing. I'm either indecisive or, Unless, or just diversifying my portfolio. <laughs> Perfect, Luke. Okay, if you had to pick one of those companies from your three different camps, let's rank these. I think Renown first. Renown first. Then I think that like kind of what we were talking about with Rebel, like a lot of potential for a lot of gain, but also maybe more risky. And then I think I'd go moment for the safe bet and then J-Skis in forefront somewhere somewhere in the middle on the risk to reward ratio. Wow. Yeah, my answer to the question was uh, I also went with Wonder Alpine. Probably not the safest bet in the game, but I see a lot of potential. So we're going fairly high risk and fairly high reward on that one and uh let's see where the new materials take us so david where did we weigh in on this last year we went with moment last year kind of went for the slightly safer but solid return option on that round of it and i think it's still a decent answer just with a sort of different risk tolerance than some of what we just talked about yep well hey wow that went a lot longer than I was anticipating. The good news is I think our work here is done. <laughs> and that was part one. And so part two, which we will air next week, this is when we start doing the head-to-head -head and asking questions like, okay, so 
transition is most like which ski company? And we're going to run through and ask that for transition and giant and pivot and Yeti and a whole bunch of other companies. So we'd encourage you to think about your own answers to those questions. And of course, why the why really matters on this one. And um, we'll share our answers and rationale on that one next week. So I cannot wait, guys, cannot wait to do this again. Eric, good luck stealing money out of people's garages. Luke, uh, if you're stealing money from my place, just don't wake me up. That's mostly all I ask. And uh, David, we'll see you real soon. Sounds good to talk to you. I'll have to figure out who I'm stealing all my money from for this. I got to work on that still. But (laughs) Okay. Hope you figure that one out. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week. Well, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And if you are enjoying these conversations about weird topics that we have made up, then we would really appreciate it if you would take 30 seconds to leave us a five-star rating or review in Apple Podcasts to keep this whole sometimes weird thing going and growing. I also want to say thanks to Luke and David and Eric for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening and for letting us know which of our answers to these questions you agree with or disagree with. Finally, from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again this weekend because we're going to be one day later than normal with this week's Gear 30 podcast, where we are going to be continuing our series on the current state of helmet tech and R&D. So subscribe to Gear 30 if you haven't already, and we will catch you again on Saturday. Okay, bye everybody.